Corinthians chapter 4. I ask you to bear with me. If it sounds like I'm a 13-year-old boy going through puberty, it's because it's true. No, I'm just kidding. I'm under the weather. My voice has gone. I've been, I've been battling with that this week. I don't get sick often, but when I do, it usually takes my voice and stuff like that. So if I start, um, if I start you know, going through puberty all over again, Lord help me, please bear with me. Ephesians chapter 4. If you are someone in this room that has received the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, can I hear an amen? amen. Oh, yeah, that was good, nice and hearty. I have, looking around, there, I'm almost positive that, that most of the people, at least in this room, have, have a saving knowledge of Jesus, and it's great looking around. I was looking around from back there, and I can, I can see a, a lot of saints, a lot of seasoned saints, and that's fantastic. And I'm so glad that I get to share being part of the body of Christ with such wonderful people. And I'm so thankful for that. But you got saved, but have you changed? You got saved, but have you changed? See, we already read our passage today in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 32. So I'm not going to take time reading through the whole passage um, all again. But what I want to do today is in this sermon, I want to take you and, and, and give you a full internal makeover. A full internal makeover. The other night, my wife was holding my hand, and she was like, your hands are rough. You know, I go to the gym, and the weights, I don't use gloves, and so you get calluses on your hands and, and all that other stuff. But I remember the first time I got a pedicure. And I was one of those guys that made fun of the other men that did it. Oh, you're a wimp. Look at you, you little wuss, going to get your toes done. What else are you going to do? You're going to carry your purse? Like, I was one of those guys. And then I finally went, and oh, my gosh. You get your feet done, you get a little foot massage while you're in it. I'm not sure what kind of oils those are, but they're, they're amazing. If, if, if manna could be liquefied, it was that. It was fantastic. And you get the massage and you put your shoes back on, friend, and it's like walking on a cloud for the next two weeks. It's fantastic. It's like, don't even come near my feet, they're too good for you. Like, it's, it's that good. It's, it's fantastic. But you've seen shows where people have gotten makeovers and they'll take guys who maybe look kind of homely and their their hair is kind of all over the place and maybe they wear glasses or maybe their clothes are out of date and what they'll do is they'll give them a haircut, they'll give them some contacts, you know, and, and they'll, they'll, they'll change their wardrobe and it's like, whoa, you went from zero to, hey, can I have your number, right? And you see those things happen, but you look at those makeovers and usually when someone gets a makeover, you can't even really tell who they are anymore. It's like, hey, are you the same person? It's like, hey, mom, it's me. No, it's not. You're lying. Who's a stranger at my house? Like, usually makeovers are like, whoa, I want to marry you right now, right? When you get saved, there should be a makeover that happens with you. As the Holy Spirit begins to work on you internally, there begins to be an outward change. And yeah, there may be times when maybe you can fake it. Maybe you can put on your nice tie and, and, and you can put on your, 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 your nice suit. And maybe you can get out your Sunday dress and you can carry your King James Bible and you can play the part and you can sing the hymns and you can quote the scripture and you can find John without using the index of your Bible. But the Lord knows what's going on in here. And beloved, what I want to do is I want to take you and give you a makeover. I want to give you a spiritual pedicure, so to speak. 
And I'm, uh, what we're going to do is, is first we're going to go over the pre-op, how to, how to get you prepped for your makeover. And then I'm going to give it to you. And so follow along with me. I'm going to try to get us out of here at a timely time, but I'm excited about this message. And, uh, and it's going to be great. So the full internal makeover. Look at verse 17. We're going we're to go over some preliminary things. Verse 17, it says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. In the first half of Ephesians chapter 4, he talks about, Paul talks about um, um, how, how, how to live as a saint. And he talks about what's changed in us and what has happened and how you're no longer, um, you're no longer who you used to be, but now you're this new person. And so he talks about all those different things. And so now he gets to verse 17, and now he says, okay, I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth not walk as other Gentiles walk. So he says, he says hey, you've been changed. Understand that if you have received the Lord Jesus Christ as your, as your Savior, we'll see in verse 30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption, right? So you've been, you've been when you accept Christ, the third person of the Trinity, the, the Spirit, now indwells you. And you now have God that literally walks where you walk, go where you go, see what you see. He says, don't walk as the other Gentiles because you're not the same anymore. Verse 18. He says here, um, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. In verse 18, he lets them know, he says, hey, in this preliminary checklist, in this foundation that we're getting ready to set for your, for your makeover, for your extreme makeover, where you need to understand that the, that the lost don't understand. Their ignorance pulls them from God. So in verse 17, he says... <clears throat> In verse 17, he says, hey, don't walk as the other Gentiles because you are not of them anymore. You're not the same <clears throat> anymore. The difference between you and them is that they don't understand me. Their, their, their understanding is darkened. They walk in ignorance. They are drawn away. So as you're walking around with your people that are not in Christ, and they don't understand why you go to church three times a week. They don't understand why you feel like you have to get dressed up to be in the Lord's house. They don't understand why you're not doing the same things you're supposed to do anymore. Hey, someone told me before, hey, I want to come to church, and I want to get to know God, and I want to see what this whole church thing has to offer, but some things just seem far-fetched to me. And what they don't understand is that the Bible says the gospel is foolishness unto them they're not going to understand a lot of times I'll tell people my testimony and I'll tell them about what God can do and I'll say you know what you're going to have to just see for yourself because he says here in verse 18 the lost the, the, those Gentiles that you used to be a part of they don't understand they're dark they're in darkness they're they're in ignorance and they don't they're drawn away from me they're not of the same you're not caught from the same cloth the bible says i beseech you therefore as strangers and pilgrims of this world you have to understand that you're not up here the moment you came to christ and you bow down at an old-fashioned altar or your bedside or with someone that you, that you know maybe you have been outside of church or, or maybe it's been your parents or whoever it was that showed you the saving grace of Jesus, from that moment on, you've been changed. Or you should have been. He says, they don't understand. Verse 19, right? We're doing this preliminary checklist, right? Before, before I touch your feet, I got to know some things about your feet. You know what I'm saying? That's where we're at. Before I touch those feet, I got to know what's going on with them. Verse 19, who being past feeling, 
who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. He says, hey, he's, he's telling them, he's trying to help them to understand that when you get saved, there's a separation that takes place. So he says, hey, there are people who's given themselves over to lasciviousness. Lasciviousness is basically um, a, an amplified form of lust. It's uncontrolled, unbridled lust, right? They've given themselves over to uncleanness. <clears throat> As you live your life as a Christian, you seek a, to, to live a holy and sanctified life, a, a life that is set apart from the world and unto Christ, or you're supposed to be. And he says, and he says here, he says that, uh, that they, they've given themselves over to this thing. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1 that the lost, what they end up doing, the, the unsaved, who we are apart from Christ, they live their lives and the, and their, the, 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 the span of, by which they can live in evil is, 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 is innumerable. He says, they, it's not that, hey, I made a decision to do this evil thing, or I made a, thing to do, a decision to do this evil thing. It's like, hey, this is my nature. He says, your nature has been changed. You've, you've become a brand new person all, all around. So you need to understand those things. Don't lose me. I'm going somewhere. I'm looking at them feet. Verse 20. Verse 20 through 24, he says, But ye have not so learned Christ. If so, be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and in holiness and so he says hey there's a changing that begins to take place in your walk dr riggs has standards and i have personal standards but even though we may touch on standards from time to time you may notice we don't talk about standards a lot why if you have standards why don't you talk about them a lot the reason is because the lord has to change someone's heart before they can change their shirt and if i tell you to if I tell you to, to change your clothes, but you haven't taken a shower, well, you're still dirty. Hey, look, if, we're gonna, if I'm going to give you a makeover, I need to know about your anatomy first before I go touching those feet. All right? And as you begin to grow in the Lord, you begin to change. And, you're, and, and, and what you like and what you're interested in and what you do and where you, what you wear and where you go, those things all change, not because someone got behind a pulpit and told you, but the Holy Spirit says, hey, I'm trying to fashion you into something. This is what I want you to do. And after a while, those things begin to take place as a transition. But look at verse 25. It says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speaking every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one another. Be ye angry, and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon thy wrath. He says here um, in verse 27, Neither give place to the devil. And so what begins to happen is there's a foundation. So if you look at verses 17 through 26, as we talk about this pre-operation that we're about to have, in verse 17, you see the manual. In verse 18, you see prior condition. In verse 19, you see a change in lifestyle. In, in verses 20 through 25, you see the transition from a corrupt life to a holy life. And in verses 25 through 27, you see the foundation laid for now your surgery. So, so this pre-op checklist is, is just for you to understand that there was a, something that happened in you when you came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. And when that happened, that should have spurred a change. And Paul tells them, hey, don't walk as the other Gentiles walk because this is where they are and this is where you're supposed to be, so you should not be blending in. There should be a change. Is there evidence that you've been saved? Because God is in the people changing business. And so if, you've, if you got saved a week ago, you should be different from how you were a week ago. 
If you got saved a year ago, you should be different from how you got saved a year ago. Listen to me, beloved, if you, are, if you have been saved 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, if you are still struggling with basic things as a believer, that means you have not been growing. That means you did not get your makeover. That means you're still able to walk amongst the Gentiles and walk. Listen to me, I watch, I've watched a show called The Walking Dead. Anyone ever heard of it? And whenever they have to go through what's called a herd, which is a bunch of them coming, and they've got to figure out how to escape. What they'll do is they'll kill one walker and smear themselves in their nastiness. So they, they can do what? They can walk through the crowd undetected. If you're able to walk through the crowd undetected, something, something's wrong. That means that there, there has been no change. If you're a believer, if you're someone that's come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, there should be an immediate, an immediate, an immediate change in who you are. The Bible says that you are justified by Christ. When you can, you can break the word justified down to just as if I've never sinned. And what happens is Christ clothes you in his righteousness, and you are now able to slip into heaven when you die under the cloak of the blood of Christ. But after that, you have what's called the sanctification process. And that's when you begin to grow, when you begin to change, and God begins to cultivate you. And the master creator begins to use that chisel and that hammer and take some of that excess stuff off of your life that shows that, hey, you're a new person, you're a new creature, and you are not perfect, but you're growing in him. Until you, until you cross over the, the holy tr threshold and become glorified in heaven with God. But if you've been saved a long time, I've been saved 13 years. And if somebody, and if the person who led me to the Lord when I was 14 years old can look at me and say, hey, Xavier, you haven't changed much, there's a problem. Because there should have been, at some point in your walk, an internal makeover. So what should change? I'm glad you asked. What should change? Now that we've done the pre-op, now that I've got your nasty socks off, your shoes are off, and I had your foot slip into the water for a little while. That warm water feels so good on your feet. Pour some little salts in there. Get your feet nice, nice and tender. I'm going to take off my gloves, and I'm going to touch your nasty feet. You ready? Here's the meat of it. Surgery time. Not surgery. Please don't do that. Just kidding. It's time for your makeover. Number one, if you're taking notes, be changed, number one, in your actions. Look at verse 28. It says, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. So in here, in this example in verse 28, he says this action change is he says, hey, let him that used to steal, steal no more, but rather let him be someone that works and labors with his hands, that which is good, that he may not work on giving it to, from him, for himself, but to other people. Beloved, when you get changed, when you begin to start getting sanctified, when you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, what should start to happen is a change in your actions. A change in your actions. Stop doing unchanged stuff. If you're, if you're someone who's, who's come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, there should be evidence of that in your life. You should not have to tell me that I go to Orlando Baptist Temple. You should not have to tell me that you carry around a Bible. You should not have to tell me that you believe in Jesus Christ. Your life should begin to emanate Christ in itself. Why? Because you stop doing unchanged stuff. You begin to look at your life and say, you know what? When I was unsaved, I used to do that, and that probably is not going to glorify God. Hey, you know, when I was unsaved, I used to hang with those people. But you know what? They probably don't glorify God. And hey, when I have to, when I used to live, before Christ, I used to go to this place. But you know what? That's probably not going to glorify God. And why? Because if you're taking your walk with God seriously, that should cause a spur and a change in who you used to be and who you are now. And there should be a change in your actions. Listen to me. On purpose. On purpose. I remember the day I married my wife. Yes, God. 
And I remember getting dressed. And I, I kid around with her. I said, babe, I know you're going to look good, but I'm going to give you a run for your money. And I remember putting on my, my, suede, my suede red shoes and my, and, and, and my bow tie and my suede jacket. You know why? Because I was about to look good for my woman. You feel me? So why don't we feel like we need to get look, good looking good for God? Huh? You can get dressed up to go to a party, right? You can get dressed up to go to a dinner, right? You can get dressed up to go hang out with somebody or, or meet up with someone or get dressed up for a date, right? So how can we, can come, we, we feel that we can come to God however we want? How can we feel that we can still walk in the same way? The Bible says, do, what? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. He said, hey, don't abuse that grace, beloved. Don't, don't, don't abuse the cloak of righteousness that you have been given. You still have a responsibility to live in sanctification. You still have a responsibility to grow. You still have a responsibility to get in that word every day and to spend time in prayer and to commune with God and to spend time in his house and spend time with believers. And if you are not, your actions will not change. He says, when you come to know me, beloved, I'm rubbing your feet, so don't look at me like that. He says, when you come to get changed, there should be a, when you come to know Christ, there should be a change, a makeover in your actions. You should start to figure out, and listen to me, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say you shouldn't do X, Y, and Z because that's between you and the Lord. But there will be things in your life, why? Because you were once a sinner, unsaved. When you come to know Christ as Savior, there are going to be things in your personal life that you're going to say, you know what, I probably should change that. I probably, should, I probably should change how, I, how, how I'm acting. There should be a change in, in what I'm doing. Stop doing stuff the old you would do. Has there been a change, beloved? There, shouldn't, there should be a change from who you used to be to who you are now. You know what's funny? I do not recognize the Xavier from, 17, from 13 years ago. Because I know good and well who I used to be. And what I used to struggle with. And where I used to go. And what I used to get into. I know full well what those are. And the Lord does not help me to, to, I do not forget those things. Because every day is a reminder. You know why you need to not forget those things? Because you're just one bad day away from slipping back into who you used to be. If you read the Bible, you find out that the flesh fights for the law. And what that means is that it, it fights to bring you down. It, it fights to bring you destruction. It's going gonna, it's gonna to help you. And, and You know that one friend that claims they're a good friend, but they don't, they don't tell you anything that's good for you? You know what I'm talking about? The friend who thinks they're a good friend, but they don't tell you anything that's good for you. When you're going to make a, good, a bad decision, they, let, they say, go ahead, man, go and do it. That kind of friend, the flesh is that friend for you. And you're just one bad day between slipping back into your old man with your old friends, with your old places, saying the same thing. And before you know it, you done took off all the makeup. You done got your feet dirty after I just got down here and rubbed them. You just, you gone right back into being. Guess what? The Bible says, as a dog returns to a, his vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. You got to be careful. Why? Because you are just one bad day from slipping back into that old man. And what should change when you become a believer is your actions. Stop doing unsafe stuff. Brother Xavier, what are those things? No, that's between you and God. Because every life is different. But I know that when I got saved, there were some things I had to go ahead and put in a box. Listen to me. I'm one of those people where I hold on to sentimental things. And babe, I don't know if you remember this, but when, I, when, we, when we were first dating, um, we were having a little get-together at, at, our, at our house, and um, at, not at my house, but um, where I was living uh, with some roommates, and, and she found a box. Remember the box you found? It was a Yu-Gi-Oh box. And I forgot all about that box. I just had it somewhere. And in the box, she opened the box. She said, what's this? I was like, oh, I forgot about that. 
And she opened the box, and in the box were some pictures and notes and stuff from some old exes. She says, why do you have this? I said, oh, I just forgot about it. So she grabbed that box and dropped that thing right in the trash can. Remember that? You dropped that box right in the trash can. Why? Because she was the new girl in town. She didn't want to be messing around with She didn't want those, she didn't even want a, a thought of those old girls lying around. Why? Because I was with the new girl who was here to stay. Amen? And so when you get with Christ, you're not with the old man who used to hang around and brings up those old memories and the old past and those old things you used to get, in, get involved with. Listen to me. You became new. So whatever you got in that box in your heart, with all the old stuff and the old places and the old people and all the old stuff you used to get into, you need to get that box and get it out your closet and throw it in the trash. Why? Because when you get saved, beloved, there should be an internal makeover and what should change are your actions. Is there evidence that you've been changed? If I walked up to the people in your life that do not go to this church and said, hey, this person is a, is a believer. Will they believe me? Because we all have non-church friends, or at least non-church acquaintances. In some capacity, maybe it's work or family. But if I, went to the, if I went to the people in your life that did not see you get dressed up to come to church this morning, the people that did not see you carry your Bible in the church this morning, the people that did not listen, hear you listen to Z88 in the radio on the way to church this morning, the people that don't see all that stuff, if I came to them and said, hey, is there evidence that this person has been saved? Would they believe me? Because if not, something's wrong. It should be a change in your actions. I'm going to keep it moving. I'm rubbing your nasty feet. Number two. Verse 28 said, Let them that stole steal no more, but rather let them labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Number two for taking notes. Be changed. Your speech. Be changed, your speech. Number one was your actions. Number two, your speech. You know what the Bible says? That as, a, that as the bit bridles the, the horse's mouth, as the, the little hull moves the ship, so is the tongue a strong member in your body. To not be deceived by the tongue because the tongue is full of deadly poison. And although it's a little member, it's a strong member. Out of your mouth should not proceed blessings and cursings. Y'all know where I'm about to go with this, right? If the Bible says, I beseech you therefore as strangers and pilgrims of this world, you are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. That's what the Bible calls you, right? Joint heirs with Jesus. Do you talk like it? What you talking about? What words are coming out of your mouth that should? I'm not necessarily talking about cuss words because the Bible says let run your race with patience, but not just sin, but the weight. And there may be, you got to be careful with the way that you, that you speak because remember Peter? Y'all know what, y'all remember what Peter did? Hey, you were, you were with Jesus. No, I was not. Someone else comes by. Hey, you were with Jesus. No, I was not. 
Hey, look, there's one of them over here. He was with Jesus. No, the blankety-blank-blank, I was not. And what did the Bible say? They did not ask him anymore. Now, yeah, cursing is the extreme, but, it is the, but the conversation of your topics, what are, what are you discussing? And, and yeah, understand with the bros, you may say some crazy stuff, and with the girls, you may say some crazy stuff, and, and you watch what you say in mixed company, and yeah, and the privacy of your own home. But let me let you, let you know something. The tongue is deadly. I told my Sunday school class this morning, whoever said sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me was a liar. Because, yeah, you may hit me with a rock and it may break my bone, but my bone will heal. But you say something cutting to me, I probably won't forget it. You don't believe me? Some of you guys are sitting in, this, in, this, in these pews right now dealing with stuff that's been said to you that's hurt you for years. And that should be evidence that you should watch what you say. You should watch how you conduct your speech. You should watch the way that you, that you speak, the way that you carry yourself in, in your conversation. Why? Because your conversation is important. Peter didn't have to go rob a bank, y'all, or he didn't have to go rob a fishing boat. He didn't have to steal money. All he had to do was speak like he wasn't a Christian, and that severed the tie between the two. You got to be careful with the way that you speak. I'm not even just talking about cursing. Hey, when's the last time you said something positive, edifying, uplifting, encouraging, Stop dwelling on the negatives. Negative stuff should not be coming out of your mouth all the time. You're a believer. If all else fails, I still have the Lord. When my mother and my father forsake me, the Lord will take me up. There should not be things, and listen to me, I'm human, and I deal with it just like you deal with it, but you got to watch your speech. Watch what you say. I, I, can't wait to, I can't wait to go to heaven. But one of the things I'm scared about is standing before God for one reason. Because I know that there are going to be people who enter a, a, a hell's gate because I wasn't the example I should have been. I shared the story before about the field house at PCC and how we were there and, and there was a game happening and, and we're, there's a basketball game and this one kid was on the court and he was just cussing up a storm. And one of the refs and one of the teachers pulled him aside and said, hey, you know where you're at? Why are you talking like that? Aren't you a believer? He says, no, I'm not saved. I'm not a Christian. He says, why should I be? All these other boys in the field house every day act just like me. And just like that, they cost them a soul. Why? The speech. The speech. Because you know what's going to happen? You're conducting yourself. You're conducting yourself in this fashion. And I've had people, I've, dealt, I've counseled people that dealt with this. They've gone out, they've, they were Christians. They've gone out into the world and acted like the world and talked like the world. And guess what? It came time to witness, and guess what? They didn't want to hear it. Why would I want to be saved? She told me, I, I don't know how to reach my friend because I, 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 she said that I act just like her. She doesn't see a difference. And she lost her ability to, to, to be a light for the, for the Lord. The Bible says a, a, a light set up on a hill cannot be hid. You don't hide it under a bushel. But we sing that song, Don't Let Satan Blow It Out, and, and, and this little out of mine. But what about you blowing out your own light? Huh? What about, what about you blowing out your own light? You got to watch your speech. You got to watch your speech. Hey, I'm rubbing your feet. Don't be mad at me. Number one, be changing your actions. Number two, be changing your speech. Number three, be changing your spirit. 
Look at verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. When you get saved, you have your conscience, right? Your conscience now gets infused with the Holy Spirit. And so whenever you're doing something that maybe you're not supposed to do, you may, hey, hey, don't do that. Or maybe when something you're supposed to do, he'll say, go ahead, give him a track. But that's because when you get saved and you receive Christ, you are now indwelt with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit now is, you have now internalized God. And so that should cause a shift in your spirit. Your countenance, your attitude, the way that you carry yourself. I do not understand some things about believers. Lord, help me. I'm rubbing their feet, Lord, help me. Whew. How you can know that you have the joy of a sovereign God and walk around every day like the world is about to end. Hmm? How does that happen? Do I got to remind you about God's track record, how he's provided for you over and over again? Must I remind you that if you've made it through all of, if, if, if you're standing here today, that means that you've made it through 100% of your trials and, and your storms. Must I remind you that God hasn't failed you yet? So why do we walk around every day like with a with sour expression on our face? That can push people away from Christ. You're a Christian? Could have fooled me. Your countenance. Hey, what about your attitude? Your attitude about life, your attitude about your friends, your attitude about your family, your attitude about work. You don't, you're, listen to me, you're not allowed to walk around like that. Why? Because the Bible says you are now an ambassador of Christ. When I go out to pastors' fellowships for meetings and I represent Pastor Riggs, I don't, normally I like to, I like to cross pattern. I like to, maybe like black pants with a black shirt or with a black suit and maybe a tie with a combination of both colors. I'm one of those guys. But whenever I go out and I'm representing Christ, uh, 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 pastor, I put, on a, I put on a full suit. Why? Because I want to make sure that I represent my church well and look the best that I can. If you're a believer, listen to where I'm going, y'all. If you're a believer and you're, and you're an active believer and you're trying to grow in your faith, walking around like the world's about to end is not going to be a good look for the Savior. Because when you go out and you tell people about the love of God and the joy of God and the long-suffering of God, how he's patient and how he's kind and how he provides and he's Jehovah Rapha and he's a Jehovah Jireh and he's... Your mouth and your face say something different. If you're saved, look like it. Now listen to me. I understand that sometimes the devil gets under our skin, the flesh acts up, and one time, some days you're gonna slip in a bad day. I'm not saying don't be human because that happens. It happens here too. Just finished actually being transparent. I just finished going through a spell of that, trying to keep my countenance up. It happens. I understand that it does, but I was fighting it the whole time. Sometimes it's, you're going under, but you gotta fight. You gotta. You don't just let them knock you down. You gotta fight for it. But sometimes it happens. But look, I'm not talking about a case-by-case -case situation. I'm talking about walking around every day like you don't look like you've been, you belong to the Lord. In your attitude, in your spirit, in your outlook on life, God provides. Why are you worrying about it? God takes care of stuff. Why are you worrying about it? And if you remember that, hey, I'm coming out of a storm, in a storm, and, 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 and about to go into a storm, if you remember that life moves in cycles, you don't get so bogged down by the hard times. 2018 has been a pretty nonchalant, melancholy year for me. 
2017 was eventful. I got married. I got married. I got ordained. I got to perform the, the, uh, the ceremony, wedding ceremony for one of my best friends of all time. A lot of great things happened. My book was getting rolling, all this other stuff. 2017 was a very great eventful year. It was fantastic. But 2018 was kind of meh. And no sooner, y'all, than I said 2018 was kind of meh. God was like, all right, bet. And September being transparent was a really hard month for me. I was dealing really heavily with anxiety. I was dealing really heavily with keeping up my spirit. I was dealing really heavily with smiling and not being irritable. Thank you, baby, for putting up with me. I know I was a lot. Ooh, I'm a lot anyway, but I was a lot, a lot last month. But she's a trooper. Thankful for you. And those seasons come. But as I said before, you don't just let it knock you down. You fight through it. And I'm not talking about a, a, a instances where it happens once in a while, but there are believers that I see that are some of the, na listen to me, some of the nastiest people that I know are believers. And I don't get that. How you acting like that? How's your spirit like that? How, how are you talking to people so de degrading and rude? And, and I, I don't understand how you can be a prideful Christian when Christ literally is the embodiment of humility. Like, I don't get it. And there are believers and there are saints who carry themselves. Why? Because they got saved and they received Christ and they got their get out of hell free card, but they did not allow any work to be done on their spirit. Glow! The Bible says that we're in a dark times. He didn't just say, a, he didn't just use the word candle for no reason. Because a candle brings light to a room. You're not Christians in a Christian world. You're Christians in a sinful world. You're light in darkness, or you're supposed to be. And one of the great, best ways to, listen to me, I'm not saying be fake. It's not what I'm saying. Don't get that confused, okay? I'm not saying be fake. I'm, be genuine. But you can still go through it and still exemplify the body of Christ. You can go through it and still exemplify what Christ is doing in your life. It's okay to say, hey, you know what? God is good, but I'm going through it. It's okay. That's all right. That's, it's, it's okay to deal with that. But when you let it knock you down and you walk around like, you plop down in your pew and act like being in church is an obligation versus being something that you do to love God and grow your relationship with him, something's wrong. And there are believers, and, and pardon me, I don't mean to be rude, but sometimes it's the veteran believers that go through it. Somewhere along the, along the lines, you lost the joy of your salvation. Remember when David was talking to God in Psalm 51 after he had committed his sin with Bathsheba and he lost the baby? What did he say? He said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. I'm not trying to be rude, but some of y'all need to go to God and say, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Because your spirit is not welcoming. As believers, that can happen and it shouldn't. Be changed in what? Your actions. Be changed in your speech. Be changed in your spirit. Number four, be changed in your nature. Look at verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Listen to me, y'all. I'm touching your feet, so don't be mad at me. When you came to Christ, you forfeited your right to be unforgiving. When you came to Christ, you forfeited your right to be bitter. When you came to Christ, you forfeited your right to be angry. When you, when you came to Christ, you forfeited your right to clap back. 
When you came to Christ, you forfeited. Now, Brother Xavier, are you saying that I can't, I can't have negative emotions? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. And many of us walk around with this, with this chip on our shoulder, this anger, this bitterness, this darkness about us. And why? Do you realize what Christ had to sacrifice for you? Do you realize that God had to bankrupt heaven for you? Are you understanding that? This, listen to me. The very people that Christ came for are the ones that put him on the cross. How you flip that? When you come to know Christ, your nature should change. What, is that, what does that mean? What does that mean? It means this. Your nature is like cancer. You have stage one cancer, and if they, can catch it, if they can catch the cancer at stage one, they can almost positively remove it. But the more that it allows to, to, to dwell there, the deeper it gets. And sooner it stops being a spot. It starts to get into your bloodstream, and it starts to get into your organs. And before you know it, they're giving you time to give you comfort until you pass away. Check this out. Your thoughts become actions. Your actions become habit. Your habit becomes nature. He didn't say change your thoughts, although you should. He didn't say change your habits, although you should. He didn't say change your speech, although, I mean, yeah, he did. But he didn't say just change these little things. He said change your nature. Why? Because that is as deep as it goes. If cancer hits stage four, you're almost positively and probably not going to make it. Has there been cases where it's been changed? Yeah, we know some of those. But the reason why he says nature is because you must change. The, that's the deepest as it, as it goes. Your nature as a believer should change. He said, put away anger and malice and bitterness and all of that stuff. Why? Because you have a new nature in Christ. You're different. Your nature should be different. You should operate differently than you did before. How are you still walking around looking like the old man? When you came to Christ, you forfeited that right. Forgive him. Let it go. Give it to God should be phrases that are now in your mind that you use on a day-to-day -day basis until you can get victory over what you're dealing with. Because you must remember, like, yeah, I know you're mad and you probably have a right to be, but you're not allowed to. Because you no longer represent you. You represent Christ. The Bible calls us ambassadors of him, representatives. Let it go. Why? Because... God had to look all over, overlook all of that stuff for you to be saved. How do you think Christ feels? Brother Xavier, that's not fair. I'm, I'm not Jesus. Yeah, but you're supposed to walk in his likeness. Ain't no back doors here. You're supposed to walk in his likeness. And what should you do? You should change your nature. You got to change your nature. And listen to me. I don't, that doesn't happen overnight. But what I'm saying is that as you grow, that should change. You, God is big on deliverance. He says, listen to me, I can change those things in you if you let me. Listen to me. That's why I come to church. That's why I listen to Christian music and Christian talk hosts. That's why, that's why I read my Bible and that's why I pray because Xavier needs work. Because I know about the old Xavier and the old Xavier was angry and bitter and had a lot of coldness and was, and, and, and was dealing with a lot of wrath. And I see those things try to pop themselves up into my life if I don't watch it. So I have to stay on top of it because the old man will, will come and pop up any chance that it gets. And you can't let him. 
Be constantly working towards that nature. Be constantly picking at it and, and giving God the chisel and the hammer and say, God, knock off what doesn't belong because your nature should change. Some of y'all got some stuff you need to be letting go. Some hurts, and beloved, I know that. I know the hurts hurt. You got to let it go. You will not, you will not be the kind of person that you need to be for Christ holding on to that stuff. And he was specific. After he says, grieve not the Holy Spirit, he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you. He says, you got to change who you are. Look. It's an internal makeover. You're going to be different. Am I saying that you're going to be perfect? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that there should be a change. Sanctification doesn't mean you're perfect. It means you're working toward it. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Pursuing it. You you know, when you talk about about David, you hear the, the term David, a man after God's own heart. There can be two interpretations in that. Number one is that he's made, you know, people can say he's made after the heart of God. People can say that. But the second interpretation is that he's a man after God's own heart. That means pursuit. If you look at David, David made a lot of mistakes that cost a lot of people their lives. But the Bible keeps saying it over and over again that David was a man after God's own heart. David was a man after God's own heart. I love that God uses that with one of the most vile people really in the Bible. He did a lot of really messed up stuff that cost a lot of people a lot of things. But one thing that David also was repentant. He said, Lord, purify me. Be, 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 judge, you know, be, be fair when you judge. And, and do what you got to do to bring me back to who I need to be in you. He's not talking about changing his thoughts. He's not talking about changing his speech. He's not talking about changing his habits. He's talking about changing his nature. And if you can know who you are, that's why Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 6, he says, I looked up and I saw God and I said, whoa, I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell amongst the people of unclean lips. What did he mean? He looked at God and looked at himself and saw that he was nothing. And that's why he needed him. Your nature will pop up. That old man will pop up, but you got to watch out for it. You got to be careful. Why? Because that nature will do something, some crazy things. And the only person that can change your nature is Jesus. The only one. You want to change? If if you're anything like me, I've looked at myself and I've seen where I fall short. But you know who I run to to fix it? The Lord. I look for answers in his word for how to change me. Because only he has the power to. I don't have the power to. It's too deep. That cancer is too deep. But thankful that God doesn't need chemo to cure this cancer. Amen? Number one, I said change your actions. Be changing your speech. Be changing your spirit. Be changing your nature. And lastly, and we'll get out of here, be changing your heart. Verse 32, and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You know what the Bible says about the heart? Keep the heart with all diligence, for out of it are all the issues of, who knows? I hear some words, I hear some Life, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are all the issues of life. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. That's what the Bible says. All those issues 
Now, what this is, what this is was funny. You know what the Bible says? <clears throat> the, Bible tells you not to, the Bible tells you not to trust your heart. It is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? Well, then he says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are all the issues of life. So if your heart is wicked, and originally, and all the issues of your life deal with it, I want to say that your heart needs a lot of heavy maintenance. And you can't, listen to me, you can't, Bible says, whatever, whatsoever a man thinketh in his heart, who can finish it? So is he. Whatsoever a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Beloved, I'm not worried about what kind of dress you're wearing today. Beloved, I'm not worried about what kind of suit you're wearing today. Beloved, I'm not even concerned about what kind of Bible you're carrying with you today. What I'm concerned about is what's going on in here. Because out of here changes all of what comes out of there. You really want to see change in your life. You really want to be the kind of believer that God wants to see proud that says, hey, well done, my good and faithful servant. You want to be that kind of person. You want to be someone who's really seen change and has had that spiritual makeover. Pay attention to your heart. Crack that thing open and get to cleaning. Because out of it springs all the issues. Notice that I gave you the heart point lastly. Because when you change your heart, you flip it in reverse order. Your heart changes your actions and your speech and your spirit and your nature. You catch that? If you flip it, yeah, I gave you the heart point last. But your heart is what characterizes and what changes your actions and your speech and your nature and your habits and all everything in between. Why? Because it's the cortex of who you are. We don't say, Lord, come into my mind and save my soul. No. Come into my foot and save my, no. Come into my heart. And all of that phrase is not in the Bible, so to speak. It's true that you should. Lord, I want you to come right to where the core of where everything is at. And change me. Clean out all the gunk and all the filth and all the stuff in there that's trying to hold me back from being what I need to be for you. And change me. Because if you've been saved any amount of time, this should be a difference. So now that I've had your feet all up in my hands, my fingers all between your toes, ugh. You're pulling your feet out of that water and they're looking good. In a second, it's about to be your turn to come to this altar and say, God, there's some elements of my life that are not evidence that I've been changed. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe I covered every area of our lives with that. Your thoughts, actions, speech, your speech, your spirit, your nature, your heart. If any one of those things have not been changed for you, you got some work to do. Brother Xavier, does that mean I need to be perfect? No, don't walk out of here being like, Brother Xavier, I got to be perfect. I didn't say that. I said work on it. Because I've been saved 13 years and I'm still working on me. Cross that out. He's still working on me. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us, be, be the Apostle Paul. It doesn't say be David. It doesn't say be the Proverbs 31 woman. It doesn't say be any of that stuff. He says, all I require of you is a broken and contrite heart. That's funny. 
what he says. Just be working on you. Because this life is fast-paced, and it's easy to stop doing maintenance on yourself. Because there'll come a day when it's time for you to be a witness, and you can't be because you haven't changed. It's no longer about you or your feet. The Bible says, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. The second unto this is likewise, that you love your neighbor as yourself. Upon these two things hang all the laws of the prophets. You work on loving God, you work on loving others, and that can't happen if you're not working on yourself. It's not about you anymore. It's about him. Bow your head and close your eyes if you would. I'm done. I talk too much. But my prayer to you, my prayer for you tonight, my prayer for us tonight, is that we earnestly seek to bring God glory with our lives. But before, before we get into that, is there anyone that can raise their hand and say, Brother Xavier, if I'm being honest, I don't know the Lord is my Savior. I don't know that, I don't know that, I've, I've, ne- I don't know that I've accepted him. I don't know. The Bible says in, in another passage that you, you can't change if you don't know the Lord. I don't know that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. Is there anybody in here like that? I, I want to know. I want to know for sure. Is anyone like that? Okay. My second question is this. Is there anyone that can say, Brother Xavier, your message spoke to me? And, and there are elements of what you talked about tonight that I see that I could need work with. Anybody? I see hands. Listen to me. 